today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. It's not wrong to pray for more power by the Spirit. It's not wrong to be in prayer with the Lord, asking for practical needs. That's not, that's not bad. But that's not what drives Paul to pray here. What drives Paul to pray is he sees the agenda of God laid out in Scripture, advancing powerfully in the world, and then he says, wow, that's driving me to pray. It, it, his prayer is driven by God's agenda for the universe and for the church more than his agenda for himself. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Pastor Ricky will be teaching on being strengthened through prayer and praying for the strength of others. While Pastor Ricky expounds on this text in Ephesians, he will be giving us a model that the Apostle Paul used to pray. Paul didn't pray by giving God a list of requests and giving God the agenda he desired for himself. Paul sought God's heart and desired that his mind and life would be conformed to God's agenda. When you go before God, allow him to reveal himself and his will to you. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 for part one of our message entitled, I Am Strengthened. Paul prays. Even when the prayers aren't explicit, the language is prayerful. Paul lives his prayers. He is praying even when he doesn't know he's praying. He begins by laying a foundation in a prayer of blessing, and then he goes on to pray for those to whom he's writing. And at the center of the letter, we come upon this strategically placed prayer that keeps the whole letter centered in prayer. And then at the end of the letter, Paul's admonition to pray will keep the church praying. He begins in prayer, stays centered in prayer, and ends up praying. This is, this is what Paul has done. So what does it mean for us who are in Christ to pray like Paul? Now, what I'm hoping today is that as we look at the way that Paul prays for the church, it would reshape the way we think about prayer. Really, this passage this week, as I've studied it, has really jarred and kind of shaken up what I believe and what I kind of default to when it comes to prayer. So I want to sum this up in one big idea, and then we're going to work through this together. Here's the big idea. Our prayers should be more about God and less about us. Our prayers, if we're to pray like Paul, should be far more about God and less about us. Our prayers should be centered in who God is and what he's doing and what he has done more than they're centered on us. Now, this is a, I know that saying it this way, it's provocative, but I'm running a risk. I'm running a risk that, that I'm, I'm gonna, somebody's going to somehow hear I don't think you should pray for yourself. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible encourages us to pray for ourselves. In the Old Testament, Hannah prays to have a child. She cries out to the Lord. Uh, Elisha prays for power for himself from the Holy Spirit. David prays for himself throughout the psalm. So it's not wrong to pray for ourselves. In fact, we should probably pray for ourselves more. But in the way that we pray, the, the manner of our prayer, the content of our prayer, the reason for our prayer should be driven by God more than us. And here, here's what I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work through this, and I think you'll see what I mean. We're going to ask a couple 
key questions this morning. The first one is this, why do we pray? Well, Paul tells us, verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So he's saying, look, for this reason, meaning what he said up to that verse, that's the reason he's going to pray. So verses 1 through 13 are the reason he's going to pray, right? For this reason, in light of what I've just said, I'm going to pray. Well, here's the thing. In, verse, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, for this reason, and then he kind of takes a tangent. So here's the funny thing about Ephesians. Paul starts to pray in Ephesians 3.1 and kind of takes a tangent and then comes back and then says, actually, no, no, no. For this reason, then, like I said before, I'm going to pray. So that's a bit confusing, but what does that mean for us? It means basically everything in Ephesians leading up to this verse is driving Paul to pray. The reason he's praying is is everything he's talked about leading up to this. So, So what is that reason? What's the reason he's praying? Well, I think Ephesians 1 through 3, you could sum up this way. It lays out the glorious plan of God in Christ being accomplished through the advance of the church. And that's why he prays for the church. In chapter 1, Paul says God set forth a plan in Christ to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. So, so he's saying, I'm praying because there's this glorious plan, this universe-shaking plan that's going forward, and that's what informs my prayers. In chapter 2, Paul says that God has created this new temple, this organization, the church. He's brought people who didn't even like each other before together into this glorious temple where God would dwell to be the vehicle of this plan being advanced, and that's why he prays. And then chapter 3 says... In chapter 3, Paul says that he is part of this plan and the Ephesian church is part of the plan so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. So here's here's all this summed up right here. In Ephesians 1 through 3, Paul sees the glorious plan of God for the church to exalt Christ. That drives him to pray. Now, here's why this matters. Often when I pray, what I'm doing is I'm bringing my agenda to God, <laughs> okay? So, so I say, look, Lord, I know you're, you, you got a bunch of stuff going on. You got a bunch of stuff you're doing, but I, I have an agenda for you, okay? So I've kind of laid out, Lord, what, what, I'm, what I'm really what I think you should be doing and kind of concerned with. And so I'm going to hand this to the Lord and say, um, I, I know you may have some other plans. I'm just asking you to kind of clear your schedule a little bit and, you know, maybe get after that. Okay? See, that's often what drives us into prayer. We want our agenda to be advanced, right? Now, again, like I'm saying, it's not wrong to pray for a child. It's not wrong to pray for more power by the Spirit. It's not wrong to be in prayer with the Lord, asking for practical needs. That's not, that's not bad. But that's not what drives Paul to pray here. What drives Paul to pray is he sees the agenda of God laid out in Scripture, advancing powerfully in the world, and then he says, wow, that's driving me to pray. It, it, his prayer is driven by God's agenda for the universe and for the church more than his agenda for himself. See, this is why in the Lord's prayer, there's that little phrase. You, you ever notice this? 
we see this little phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Why do we pray that? Because in the way that Jesus taught us to pray, we're in essence laying down our agenda and taking up God's agenda and saying, Lord, your plan be advanced in my life and and in those around me. We allow God's agenda to drive our prayers. Now, here, he, that's one reason to pray. So, so Paul's driven to prayer because God's agenda is driving him to pray. He's, this glorious plan in Christ to unite all things, to shake the universe and restore the universe is being advanced through Christ in the church. And so Paul prays for the church. But he also ends with a reason to pray. We're gonna, we're gonna work our way back up, but just look down at verse 20 quickly with me. Paul ends by saying this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. So Paul says, God's plan is being advanced through the church for the restoration of all things, so I'm gonna pray. But prayer only works if we're confident that the person we're asking actually has power to accomplish that, right? If, if you walk into your office tomorrow morning and you petition the intern for a raise, nothing is going to happen, no matter how sympathetic that intern is to you, because he has no power to give you a raise, right? You could get the intern on your side. You know, Phil, I, I've really been working hard. Oh yeah, you have, man. I really think I deserve it. Man, you do, man. It's not going to do you any good. Why? Because he has no power to actually grant you your request. What Paul says at the end of this passage gives us a reason to pray. So not just a reason that God is advancing his glory through the universe in the church, but that God actually is powerful to do that. That he's not just sort of somehow kind of, see, a lot of times, a lot of people have this view of God that sort of history is this careening train and God is sort of oh, oh, trying to keep it on the rails and that he's, he's constantly in danger of letting this thing go. And that asking him to kind of do something else is just too much for him. It's just, I just, I just can't even get to that. I'm just trying to keep this train on the rails, man. No, no, no. What Paul says in in, in verse 20 is that he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask. So whatever we ask, he can do far more than it. And it's not just like, it's not just, well, he can do a little bit more than that, so that's good. He can do abundantly more. See, God isn't, isn't taxed. He's not sweating accomplishing his plan. Okay, he's not getting worn out. He's, it's not like, oh, he might have to take a break soon. God is far more abundantly powerful to accomplish his plan than we can even imagine. Or, I love how Paul adds this, than we can ask or think. So like whatever power you imagine God has to advance his purposes, he has more. That's what Paul says. As I've thought about it this week, I've come to realize something, at least for me, Often my prayers, when I pray, get reduced down to this. God, let me have a moderately good life without a lot of pain. And that becomes my prayer for, for the church or even for people around me. Lord, let, let them have a halfway decent life with, without a ton of pain, without a lot of suffering. Lord, let, let us be, a, you know, build us into a church that has, you know, decent 
some decent programs and that we kind of hang in there. See, see, Paul is driven because he sees a glorious universe-shaking plan that's advancing with force through the pages of history. And he prays, he prays for the church in light of that plan. This church that's being swept up in the, the redemption of Jesus Christ, in the salvation of the world, he prays for the church and he's confident that whatever he prays for the church, God can and will do far more than he can even imagine. I, I think many times we dream dreams that are far too small for ourselves and for our church. Now, what I mean by this is not, not dreaming dreams. No, no, notice that God's agenda drives this, okay? So and when, when it comes to God's agenda, I think sometimes we, our, our dreams for ourselves, apart from God's agenda, are far too big. But our dreams for God's agenda are far too small. See, we, we pray, Lord, Lord get, save somebody in the church through the ministry of the church. And Paul says, no, 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 he, he can do far more than you ask. What can you imagine? Why? Lord, save 10 people. He says, no, 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 he can do far more than you even imagine. See, church, I believe we should be, we should be seeing the plan of God advance and seeing the power of God advancing his plan should drive us to pray great prayers for ourselves and for Jesus. See, friend, if you, if you, are there areas of your life that you have stopped believing that God can change you? And is that part of God's agenda? Oh yeah, it is. God's agenda is to shape you to be like Jesus. So there's this one stubborn area and you just sort of given up. And so your best prayers are, God, help me not to be too bad in that area. And God wants you to take that area and pray, Lord, do far more than I can ask or think. Lord, I'm impatient. Lord, make me a patient man. Make me known for being a patient man. He wants us to take prayers for our groups in the church. Lord, Lord, add a few Add a couple more people this semester to our small group by God's grace. Do you think God wants to add people to the church? Oh yes, he does. That's part of his agenda. So pray a big prayer. Lord, let our group multiply for the glory of God in the city of El Paso. See, friends, when we see the glorious plan of God advancing like it has in the book of Ephesians and we see God's power to advance that plan, it leads us to pray, pray huge faith-fueled prayers that are more about God and less about us. So why do we pray? We pray to make much of Jesus in light of his great plan and his great power. But second, how do we pray? How do we pray? Well, Paul tells us right afterward how to pray. He, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. See, often when we pray, we, we come to God believing we need to bring stuff with us to get him to grant our requests. I remember Tom telling me about one time where he walked into a really nice sort of furniture and tile and kitchen store with architectural plans dressed like business casual with like a, like, you know, like a, like a ruler and, you know, so he looked like an architect or a, like a kind of a big contractor and he had all this cool stuff with him, plans and things. And so he brought it in. And of course, as soon as he comes in, all of the salespeople in the store, like, like 
flock to him. Sir, can you, can you, do you need any help? Can I just, you want me to take those architectural plans off your hands? And you know, so he's, he's, he's bringing things into the store to, and he realized, you know what? I probably should do that every time I walk into Home Depot. I should look like a really rich architect every time I go to any home improvement store and immediately I'll get a response, which I thought, that's not a bad idea. But some of us bring that idea into our prayers that we sort of have to look impressive or feel impressive or sort of do some stuff. You've ever had this thought, you know, I really need to pray about this thing, but I just haven't been doing well today. I'm going to wait until like tonight and try to, I'm going to go home and see if my wife needs anything and do some extra sort of cleaning and then send an encouraging email and then I'll pray later. You ever done that? I, I, I have done that really sad, but I've done that. So we, we, we try to bring stuff with us into the throne room of God to get him to pay attention to us. And that focuses far more on us than on God, doesn't it? Our focus is what we've done or what we haven't done or what we can do or what we are hoping to do or maybe we come with promises. Lord, seriously, if you hear this prayer, I'm gonna do this. If you hear this prayer, I'm gonna do this. Here's how Paul comes. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. See, he comes not on the basis of what he's done, but on the basis of who God is. Because God is his father. When we went through Galatians earlier this year, we went through this glorious passage in Galatians 4 that says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. See, Jesus Christ was the sinless son of God, yet our sins were placed on him and his blood was shed to pay our penalty so that if we believe in him, we'll go free. And not just, he hears the glorious news of the gospel. The gospel doesn't just mean you're off the hook and you're not going to jail. The gospel means you're adopted as a son or as a daughter. The gospel ripples out in all these areas of our lives. And one of the things that it changes is it changes our very identity. We go from being sinners and murderers and haters of God to being sons and daughters of God. So, so we come on the basis of what Jesus has done, not on the basis of what we've done. We come with nothing in our hands except the blood of Jesus. And with that, the Lord delights and we address him as our father. See, when you come to, to a good father, you don't need to bring stuff. If my son Ford brings me a quarter that he found outside in our front yard, I'm not any more or less likely to listen to him when he points and wants to go um, play in the backyard. I'm going to do it because I'm his dad. That's what, that's what Paul does. He comes to, to pray. That's how he prays. He, he comes focusing far more on who God is, that God is his father because of what Jesus has done, not focusing on, on himself. Look, if you don't know Jesus, you probably picked this up, but I, I'll just make the confession that we are, as a church, good old-fashioned Bible thumpers and gospel proselytizers who want you to become a Christian. <laughs> we want you to become a Christian, not because we think you should be good like us. We want you to become a Christian because we realize that we were murderers and haters and people who were far from God, and yet through the blood of Jesus, here's the crazy news, we get to be brought in and made sons and daughters. 
So, so we are pretty excited about telling other people about that. And so if somebody's like, well, I'm kind of on the fence about whether to become a Christian or not. It's like, look, why would you not want to be adopted by the best dad in the universe? Why would you not want to have your sins wiped away? Why would you not want to be redeemed and brought out of your sin and affliction? Why would you not want an eternity with this glorious father? So he, 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 here's, here's the good news that we have for you. This is really our one song. You hear it le- this week, you're going to hear it next week, probably the week after that. Here's the song. We're, we're a band with one song, one greatest hit that we just play over and over and over and over, and it's this. If you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and place your faith in him, you can be saved today. You don't have to go back out and do some good stuff so that you can come back into the throne room with stuff to get God to pay attention to you. You can come with nothing but your faith in Jesus Christ. And so we urge you to do that today. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till your life's cleaned up. Do it today. So how do we pray? We come focusing not on ourselves, but on God and who he is. And three, oh man, I'm gonna totally run out of time. All right, we're gonna do as much as we can and then we're just gonna stop and pray. Three, who do we pray for? This will be really brief. Paul does not pray for himself in Ephesians, except for one verse at the end. His whole letter is filled with prayer for the Ephesian church. Now, this is why this is surprising. As Tom talked about last week, Paul is not writing from an office, okay? He's not, he's, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. He's not writing from the kind of house that you see on Preachers of L.A., Okay, he's not writing from his Bentley giving his secretary a dictation to fire off. He's writing from jail. He's writing from jail because he preached the gospel and people didn't like it. So they put him there. He has health issues, serious, multiple health issues. He's been beaten and stoned and spent a day on the open sea. I mean, this, this man is absolutely wrecked physically. He's in jail with no medical care. And really, the only way you got food in jail is if people brought you food. This is where he's writing from. And yet his focus in the prayer is, is completely concerned with the church of God and the family of God. He, he prays to the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And in the original language, that actually just means he prays for the family. And so many commentators believe the better translation would probably be that he prays to the father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, meaning his whole family, meaning the family of God. See, Paul is, is, is in awe of what God is doing through the church and through the family of God. And that drives him to pray for that family. See, when you really grasp that you and me, we're not just individuals on individual paths of self-discovery and, and sort of kind of doing our own thing on our spiritual journey to Jesus. And we kind of come together once a week to kind of, you know, just exchange ideas, but we're all sort of just walking individual paths. No, Paul says, according to Ephesians 2, we've been, those, we've all been far off and we've all been brought near and we're all common citizens and members of the household of God. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. 
It's a question for the ages, and sadly, existentialism has crept into the body of Christ. So where can we find the answer to these sorts of questions? Thankfully, our identity in Christ is clear in the scriptures. Pastor Ricky will explore this topic as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Elcantar of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to a computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number here at the church is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship this coming Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study and fellowship and even prayer. For more information, including driving directions, log on to betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. The music that you hear each day on Better News Radio was provided by Sovereign Grace Music. We invite you to visit their website, SovereignGraceMusic.org. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series entitled, Who Am I? from the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Better News Radio. 